0: hello and welcome to the net ogs an original podcast series brought to you by duration media i'm your host andy badkin this series asks and answers the question what was the internet like before the internet was a thing and who were the original players each week i'll be joined by an og not an old guy or gal but the true original gangsters of the internet grab a drink sit back and learn how the largest medium in the world was built and listened to never before heard stories from some of the visionaries that formed the first internet media companies and digital ad agencies. This week's episode guest is Tibor Gadu, our first European Net OG. Tibor was destined to be involved in digital media as he started using personal computers and very early versions of online services when he was 11 years old in the early 1980s. After school, he became an apprentice at a regional newspaper in Hanover, which was in the early process of going online. He worked in a project group for different interactive media initiatives and was instantly hooked when he started selling advertising for the newspaper site. In 1996, he went to Berlin Online, published by Gruner & Jahr to sell advertising to regional clients. In the summer of 1998, he was one of the first three hired in the German media sales office of DoubleClick. And Tibor sold advertising to the leading advertisers like Deutsche Bank, Bertelsmann, Procter & Gamble, Mercedes-Benz, Amazon, and the top agencies like Mindshare, Mediacom, and Omnicom. He stayed with DoubleClick until the media business was sold and then founded his own advertising sales house company, Quarter Media, in 2002, which he is still running with his original co-founder, Oliver Lessing, who also worked at DoubleClick. Border Media is the largest independent advertising sales house in Germany and represents major web publishers like Bertelsmann and Discovery Networks, as well as publishing houses for women magazines, special interest topics, and major German sport federations. Please welcome our first European Net OG, Tibor Gadum.
1: Thank you, Andy. Thank you for for being your guest.
0: (laughs) What a pleasure. What a pleasure. I'm so excited to, to talk about the early days of, of how American companies went over to Europe, and really looking forward to this hour together.
1: Yes, thank you, and thank you uh, definitely to be um, an OG in your definition. Uh, it, it's, it's really an honor if I, if I look at the list of people who have already um, made the podcast.
0: Yes, and remember, OG does not mean old guy or gal. It means original original gangster. (laughs) (laughs) Right, Right. correct. Tibor, you had three years of web sales experience before you were hired at DoubleClick. Uh, Walk us through what those experiences were like.
1: Yes, I was working at regional newspapers, um, the, the first in Hanover, which is the northern part of Germany and then uh, Berlin Online, which is the online uh, edition of, or was the online edition of Berliner Zeitung. And what I was doing there was um, first I was in the group where the online newspaper was launched um, in Hanover, where they decided either they would go on AOL, CompuServe, the German online service, or the web, which was still a decision at that time, Um, and, then there was the question on the finance, the financing uh, of the uh, of the of the project. Uh, how is money uh, getting in, and um, how we c- how can we earn money? And the one idea was to sell access uh, to the users of the newspapers, the subscribers, to sell them access um, to the internet, and. I I thought yeah this will be a tough market and there will be large competitors in the market uh, about the 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 access business and um, because Deutsche Telekom was there already and I thought that you know in traditional media the advertising is the most source of um, the most important source of of, of revenues Um, usually I learned from media that. Most revenue comes from advertising, and what users are paying for um, for a newspaper issue is just just covers the cost of the printing and um, the distribution, but not of the editorial stuff and and to create the content. So advertising was there, and I said, yeah, that that must be thing in the internet as well. So I was starting to sell ads. Um, in in my Hanover time, and I, I remember my first um, ad was of a, a paging service uh, for for young people it was called Quicks, and um, I was speaking with the the advertiser, and they were forwarding me to the to the agency who was doing the creative, but the creative was just their logo, and they sending it over to me, and I said, well, it costs whatever five hundred. Deutschmarks, which is probably similar to 500 US dollars for a week. And I got the creative and also they were sending me the link. And um, yeah, I was, I was, um, uh, I was placing the ad on the website and also the link. And then my uh, boss came to me and said, well, uh, we don't want to have this link. if someone is on the on, on newspaper site, no one should, should click on a link to go out of the newspaper site. He should stay in the newspaper site. And, but the advertiser, of course, wants to have the click um, to get users to their website. Uh, so they, they didn't understand it at that time. Um, and I moved, then moved to Berlin online. They were um, a little step ahead, but still it was this was regional business they wanted to sell me to regional advertisers, um, so auto dealers and hotels, the travel industry in the region, only around Berlin. And I found that this this industry isn't isn't um, isn't there already. So I wanted to go more to a nationwide um, sales house, which was then in 1997. 1998, I was looking at going to a financial um, newspaper and magazine publisher in Dusseldorf. So I got the contract already to move over there. And um, my, the the person I was interviewing at at this publishing house um, told me that, you know, Tibor, I just want to tell you that once you're here I will not be here anymore. So you are signing the contract now, but you will have another boss, not me. And I said, "Well, it was Aunt Groth who then ran the 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 the, the office of, of DoubleClick in Germany." And I said, "Aunt, uh, or Mr. Groth." I, I, I didn't say his first name at that time already <laughs> <laughs> to him. So Mr. Groth, um, you are not, you will not be there anymore. So where are you going? Yeah, I'm I'm going to a company called DoubleClick, and oh. That that's that sounds interesting. I've heard of them before, um, because someone from DoubleClick was was um, showing me the ad server system Dart when I was in Berlin, and I said, yes, that's interesting. They're they're definitely in the forefront of the online advertising business where I wanted to be. Um, and I said, what's what's that company doing? And yeah, and and they they will open a business in Hamburg, the the office in Hamburg, the German office in Hamburg, and that's the other. That was the other reason for me to. To move over to DoubleClick because I always wanted to go in the beautiful city of Hamburg.
0: So um, we'll, we'll get to that story about DoubleClick because I'm so fascinated by it. Uh, <laughs> it you know, I, I alluded to this in, in the introduction about you being involved with personal computers at a very early age and you, you obviously you knew about online services, you know, probably, you know, before most of your friends. As you started to get into this field, do you, do you remember the first time you actually saw the internet?
1: Yes, uh, it, it, must, it must have been in around like 1993, 1994, with the browser. This was, if you, if you call it the web, if you say the web is the internet as we know it today, of course, this was this was the only way, this was the first time I've seen the web um, with the Netscape browser at that time, dialing in through CompuServe with a modem. Um, but before I was already um, dialing up to bulletin board systems and, and chat systems. So pure online services. So as you know, the internet was already like, the foundations of the internet was, were already back in 19. 19- Sixty-nine, and uh, most of the services were there for a long time, like email. But it didn't look like the internet we know today, like the web, which was only developed in 1992 by Tim Berners-Lee from the from the Swiss um, from the Swiss um, University. So I was dialing up to bulletin board systems where we can, you know, you get. It was just text. You know, you just can see text, and you can. Uh, meet with people that are interested in your for example personal computer system you're using or with for example hobbies you have um, collecting stamps or whatever uh, or uh, at that time games um, uh, video games but it was pure text and was like forums so a bulletin board system where you can speak with people exchange ideas just on a pure text basis so i was hooking up with at that the first time i was hooked up to an online service was with a acoustic coupler where you like in the movie war games you know this 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 guy in the in the cell in the telephone cell was hooking up to the to the um, to the online service with just putting the the headphone or the what do you call the headset, call, the the headset. Handset. Oh, yeah the headset yeah. on a on a on two cushions and you're connecting with 300 board, 300 characters per second <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was so early, so early. Um, and then ninety-two 94 probably the first time with a Netscape browser through CompuServe.
0: So when when the opportunity uh, was before you to, to move to DoubleClick uh, did, was it this gentleman that you met? Was he the one responsible for getting you the interview or did you have to work on this on your own? I think that our listeners are gonna be totally fascinated as to how American companies moved over to Europe and found the appropriate people to run their businesses
1: there. Well, I think uh, most most American companies coming to the US are using headhunters in Germany. Um, So I was approached by several companies, including Google later. Um, by headhunters um, to to um, to join their their business at the early stage before if they have people on the ground and I uh, own our HR departments um, they're, they're using uh, regional headhunters um, in in my case with DoubleClick it was really Aunt who was saying well I'm I will be the, the managing director of, of the DoubleClick media office in Hamburg and um, he was saying well you know I have I have the contract for this publishing house. You know, I'm still working at the, the publishing house now. Uh, I will move over to DoubleClick so I cannot do the interview with you for DoubleClick because I was, I was approaching you for the, for the publishing house here. So um, he just gave me the name of Barry Saltzman um, in New York who was running the international media business and um, say, yeah, you should send an email to Barry and i sent an email to barry and i think his assistant megan was her name i remember she was um replying to me and said yeah yeah you, you can come over to new york for an interview um and i said well you uh it's my first time to new york um so uh and so how does it work? Yeah, we are paying for your airfare and your hotel and everything. Um, Great. So um, you are meeting with the people, and and have the interview. So yeah, so that that's how it worked. They they invited me to to New York, um, and I said I, I took my wife with me because I said to her, "Have you been to New York? No. Okay, let's let's go <laughs> to New York for a weekend." My, so my my interview was on a Friday, uh, so we, we came in on a, on a Thursday. night Thursday uh, evening flight, and um, it, my my interview was Friday, and then we had the the weekend, and I went back on Monday. And I remember that my my time for the interview was like eleven a.m., which was in the email from Barry from, from her from his assistant. And um, <clears throat> so I wake I I woke up early uh, that morning on Friday because of the time difference. So if you go over from Europe mm-hmm. to the States, you wake up early usually. And I woke up at like six or seven in the morning and I said, well, you know, for my, to my wife, well, I, I'm, I'm going to take a shower and we have some time. You know, we have lots of time to, to have breakfast then until 11, I have to be there always. Just like five minutes was just across the street. I was in Madison Avenue and um, it was just five minutes away from, from the Double cake office at, at that time. So it was in Madison Avenue as well. And um, I was under the shower, maybe at like 7.30, 7, 7.45. And the phone was, ri- was ringing in our hotel room. And the assistant was uh, on, on the line. My, my wife took the phone. And she said, the, the, she said, well, I just wanted to remind you that your are um, I was asking my wife, what did she say? And she said, just, I just wanted to ri- remind you that you're, you're meeting with Barry's at 8 a.m. So it was like in 15 minutes and I was <laughs> under the shower at that time. <laughs> so getting out of the shower, jumping into my suit um, with a tie, blue blue shirt like, like today, tie, blue suit. And um, like I was five minutes before eight, I was in the double tick office and Barry came to me and he said, and, and he had a polo and jeans. <laughs> and I, as an European, you know, a European in the newspaper business, um, very conservative, uh, and uh, with a tie and, um, you know, in a suit. And, he's, and Barry said to me, Well, Tibor, just, just, you know, it's, it's casual Friday today. That's why I'm wearing jeans and a polo. So <laughs> this was really so, sympathetic.
0: <laughs> so, what, what was the, the interview like? What, what kind of questions did he ask you?
1: Yeah, I I think I had the the impression that he was just just listening and he the, the the questions weren't tough. You know, it was like I had the the impression that they they wanted to have me and they wanted to be attractive for me. It it looked for me it looked like it was more like they were applying to get me in the company and not that I have to apply. To work for DoubleClick, um, that that was my impression. So he was asking me about what what have you done before, and um, you know I was telling that I worked in the newspaper business, and uh, but but really not not tough questions like you know what what do you know what CPM is and uh, things like that you could probably ask in a, in a tough interview. It was more like a like a informal conversation, um, and. Yeah, he was asking what what was your first experience with the internet, like you now. Mm-hmm. Um, how long are you are you do you know the medium and um, which do you, which companies do you know? But it was really, really, like um, easy and uh, very sympathetic.
0: Well, there weren't very many people like yourself who had already had experience in selling uh, online advertising, correct?
1: Yes, in Germany, probably I would say a handful people or maybe not more than 50 people um, probably selling advertising in, in Germany at that time.
0: Okay, so you finished the, the interview. Um, d- did he offer you the job on the spot or did he say, we'll get back to you? Or what was the, how was it left when you left the room?
1: I, was, I think I was also meeting with, with Wenda Milard. Um oh, that oh, you day. met Wenda that day. Oh, <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah. I met Wenda. Um, and also Kevin Ryan. And um <clears throat> Wenda was um, he she was speaking a lot with Barry. I was speaking a lot. She was just he was just asking questions. And Wenda was, was speaking a lot but what, what she had done and what which which experience she had and which connections she had. And was really I was really impressed. Um, uh, about her vita, her, her vita and what what she has done and what connections she had in the industry. Um, so for me, I was really like, do I have the job or not? What what's what's happening? There was nothing really specific. They they left me with yeah yeah you can you you think about it when you when you're over there and just um, inform us uh, what what your decision is. I never I never had the impression that they really wanted to decide on me. I think the decision that I can join was done before. That that was my impression. And I just have to say yes. So next week, because I have the contract from the other from the publishing house, next week when I when I got back in back to to Germany, I was writing I was writing an email said, thank you for the interview. Thank you for the invitation. It was really impressive. I wanted to start. So that's it.
0: That's wonderful. So,
1: what, and I had I had one thing. I had a six month termination clause with Berlin Online, so I I I needed to wait. The interview was done, and I could only start six months later because my termination with the, the, the Berlin Online was six months. And they said, well, we are we are starting. We are, we are already starting. And it was like in March '98. We, are, we, are, we have the opening um, session when Kevin O'Connor will come over to Germany and opening the, the German media office was six months ahead. So the interview interview must have been like in uh, s- late 97 and uh, early 98, I was joining DoubleClick and they opened the office in March, I think, March 98.
0: So your responsibility was was ad sales you weren't selling the the technology or we double click wasn't licensing yet the technology were they where that was uh, the dart the dart system was already as a a product
1: yes there was actually a guy called carsten carsten steffen he was running the tech business in germany and he was showing me the the dart system when i was in in berlin at Berlin, berlin online probably like a couple of months before I spoke with Arndt about DoubleClick. Um, So they were licensing the the DART technology. And I know that some major publishing houses already were using DART, the technology in Germany.
0: And and who who was establishing the the publisher uh, representation relationships? Was that part of the DART sales process, where it says, you license the technology, and we can also help sell your inventory or was there the technology group let's call it the pub development group and your ad sales team Uh,
1: so first there was the only the pure tech the double tech solutions i think it was called like double tech solutions they just sold the ad server um, system to publishing houses big publishing houses that probably would never have given their inventory to be sold by the DoubleClick media network where I was joining. Um, or probably DoubleClick was thinking they, they probably because we had no people on the ground, they, they wanted to do it by themselves. So there was a DoubleClick tech solutions uh, group and we were the media guys. And media, there was also um, a, a business development or programming, they call it programming. Um, business development. These people were speaking with um, with the publishers where we wanted, where we could also sell the advertising. Um, but the the publishers we had already were already um, acquired by the international team. So we were, for example, we were selling MTV, MTV.com, and MTV.de. And also MSN.de, which is which was MSN. It was a joint venture between a German television station uh, ZDF and um, MSNBC. And um, most of the publishers were already there. So the biggest publisher, of course, Alta Vista, uh, was already there. But then. some other just pure German uh, publishers were coming as well, like ADSC, which is like the AAA, the automo- Automobile Club in, in the U.S. It's called ADAC in Germany. This these these were and and um, IDG, IDG, the tech um, publishing house. Um, these were publishers. I think they they um, they were acquired by the international um, business development team. But we also had um, Markus Vilnauer, who was um, trying to approach the publishers, which we wanted to sell. So I was on the sales side; I was going after agencies, advertisers, um, to sell the advertising on those sites that were already there, and of course, the largest one and most attractive was Alta Vista. The Alta Vista keywords. This was. Alta Vista Keywords was a self selling <laughs> program. <Me? Yeah. laughs> Everyone was, was calling, want to have the, like, for example, uh, the, the keyword auction or the keyword auto or the keyword gaming or gambling. Um, there were some really, really highly attractive keywords. Uh, we were selling on a CPM basis, but I was more interested in selling branding. Um, campaigns on on those websites, like the MTV, um, ADAC websites um, with um, display ads, because, yeah, I mean, at that time, of course, it was also display ads on AltaVista. So you type in a keyword, and then a display ad was, uh, was shown, but they were paying on a CPM basis.
0: So at that time, we were representing Yahoo in the States, and we had sort of a bifurcated approach uh, to the sales. The, you know, the search keywords were were very easy sales, uh, as and the display ads, of course, were were the other the other side of it. Um, I, I'm curious if you had some of the, the the similar issues we had. So there was a, one point where I remember that. Uh, MCI called us and said they wanted to buy the keyword Sprint, which was one of their competitors. And then they said, "Well, we also want to buy AT and T." And we were like, "Well, we 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 can't do that, right?" I mean, so did did you have that issue in Germany where where companies were trying to buy their competitors' keywords?
1: Yes, yes, it it happened. Um... I'm not sure if we did it at that time <laughs> because I wasn't, I wasn't really so so into it. It was more like generic, ge- generic keywords like auction, for example. So there was eBay uh, and uh, Ricardo, which was a German um, uh, auction site. Um, and of course they, they were fighting about the keyword auction. But I think I remember that we didn't do that so we let, for example, we we didn't let Ricardo buy the keyword eBay.
0: Yeah. No, we had, yeah. we had the So same, we didn't do that. Yeah. The same thing. But but yeah. there were many companies that wanted to buy their competitors. So what what were the early, you know, ad sales pitches like to the agencies, uh, and and how did you how did you know how to set what the CPM would be for those display ads? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. The cpms um we had a price list um for the cpms from the states and we're just converting it into deutschmark um and we were using those uh, prices and the prices in in the keyword business the price was not discussed it, they, they paid any price at that right. time for the keyword um for the display advertising on the other sites. We also had the price list. And also I remember that it was like 80 Euro, 60 Euro CPM, which is like converting to like today, maybe 80 US dollars, 60 US dollars, maybe one-to-one. And and I really never, I really never had the discussion about the price. They were paying, they're paying, paying any price um, and I, w- I was remembering one time. I mean, there were there were deals. For example, uh, Alta Vis- um, Amazon wanted to buy a key the keyword on Alta Vista. So if you type in a book title, then on the second page there should appear "Buy this book," "Buy the book," whatever at uh, at Amazon. So. I was I was there and they wanted to pay only cost per order so they wanted to pay only if the book was sold and cost per order and I said no we have it's 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 a cpm model and we never we never got to a deal because they wanted to buy only on cpo and I was saying it's it's cpm this was one discussion i remember um but well, did, prices, prices did, was was really never an issue.
0: Did the agencies in the beginning understand what the internet was? Did you have to explain <laughs> it to them?
1: Well, I would say the I mean display advertising was quite easy to understand because it's like if you have a print mm-hmm. medium and the internet is just the same, you have an ad on the on the page what was probably problematic was the the, the counting the reporting um, at the beginning they didn't have their own ad servers so they need to rely on our reporting but it was really never in question that we have whatever not the not the right data uh, things like that later um, there was also the double click for advertisers system so we were running the double-click for publisher system and with a double-click for advertiser systems, then the agencies could also report on their, on their, uh, on their impressions and the clicks. Um, in the beginning, they, they had to rely on our numbers. But really at that time that they, they, I think that it was more that the traditional publishers, like we wanted to approach, of course, the Procter & Gamble, Unilever, mercedes-benz um the big brands the big advertisers and with those it was more like we we were showing up and presenting ideas i was doing trips with chris theodorus do you know chris i don't think so okay i was doing chris came over from from the states i think he was in the radio business before and he was um in ad sales in in uh, with Doubleclick in the U.S. and then moving over to the international uh, media sales, and he was going uh, with me on on road trips to Procter and Gamble, uh, Unilever. Um, I remember a big a big um, invitation from um, Unilever to Geneva about interactive advertising. So what we were doing, we was we were showing them special ad integrations from advertisers and ideas what you can do um, on the internet as a advertiser. So we were presenting ideas. I remember one idea was, for example, you can place ads on the internet when the temperature is above 20 degrees Celsius, which is probably like 60, 65 degrees Fahrenheit. So if it gets warmer, then probably you want to sell your soda um, mm-hmm. And so you can do targeting by temperature. So we were, we were trying to get, we were trying to show them ideas on how they can advertise on the internet at the right time. Um, this was of course Kevin O'Connor's great sentence, delivering the right message to the right user at mm-hmm. the right time. And the, this, this idea, we, we, we tried to make, uh, or we were making um, scenarios where we can advertise their product, the, ad, the, the product will be advertised at the time users needed, the, the product. So for example, with the, with the weather, if the temperatures get, get higher, for example, also for air conditioners, if the temperatures get higher, you probably think about buying an air, an, an air conditioner. <laughs> So these were ideas, but it was really hard to get those traditional publishers. Um, I had a a deal with Deutsche Bank. This was one uh, big deal on on Alta Vista. And I remember another deal with uh, Books Online, but Books Online, a Bertelsmann company was an interactive, a digital um, venture, pure digital venture. But to get the Mercedes-Benz, the Volkswagen uh, Lufthansa the big brands on the internet was was really hard most advertisers were um, companies from the new economy as we call it right. so they were they were stuffed with um, money from the from the stock market and they were spending their money in advertising to get um, to get subscribers users to their website to raise their company evaluation so they got money from the stock spend it into advertising to get more users on their website and then hopefully they can sell their shares or they have a good a good story so it was kind of i think most of the money DoubleClick was getting was from from the stock market companies from yeah, the venture back companies that yes, were advertising
0: yes. for sure so um that's gonna be a good segue to, to the crash and we'll get to that in a moment. But when you sold the the big brands like you know Mercedes, did you have more success going to their agency or going direct to the brand themselves?
1: It was all agency. It was all agency. But sometimes we yeah, we tried we tried to get to them, but it's it was really hard. It was really hard for them to understand what we are doing to build up trust for the new medium. Um, and of course, I I got the feeling that those people in the marketing departments of those companies were, you know, they were so much into their numbers um, with traditional media and trying to convert their metrics and their KPIs from the Traditional media like net, was it in television? The net reach, um, GRPs, gross, gross rating points. How's it how's it called in, in yeah. GRPs? The how, how many users? How many net users can I reach in a week with my message? How can this be translated in the in the um, in the internet? Uh, and also a lot of television advertisers. At that time, we didn't have so much. Um, Video content or video possibilities to to have video. These advertisers we're approaching were really really strong in television, and with the banner ads, this was really hard um, to get like videos or spots, TV spots, traditional TV spots uh, to the internet uh, because of like at that time download times and most of the content was just text and images, still images, and not video like t- today you have with YouTube and and you know. All the video content you have, this was really a challenge to get those like Procter and Gamble with a household program, a household product. How do you can how, how can you get them without a video uh, possibility to the to the internet with with a banner app? This was really hard. Uh, it was really hard to, uh, for them to understand.
0: Yeah, we saw lots of couponing in the beginning. You know that were part of the banner. Click here for It was more coupon. like more
1: direct marketing then. Right. It looks like more like a direct marketing.
0: Well, most thing, of the yeah. most of the advertisers saw the internet as a direct, you know, marketing yeah. campaign. Um, yeah. I, I just recently interviewed Andy Pakula, who ran the. Uh, our digital agency that was representing yahoo and and um he had come up with what we call the pakula formula so he felt that there was the the way to to model this was that you pay the cpm for the brand so some of the your brand and then if they clicked on it that you would pay another fee for for that and then if there was a if they downloaded a coupon you know, that was another fee. Uh, if they gave you their name, that was another fee. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And it was really all direct marketing uh, approach. And, you know, of course, when you see the internet today, everybody thinks about, um, you know, the that opportunity to, to um, look at that money. Did I, that money I just spent, did that lead to a sale? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Andy was right you know, in the beginning though, but it was so difficult to, to, to sell advertising in the beginning to people who didn't know to start to tell them this is continuum pricing that you were gonna have. So CPM became you know, the, the, you know, the pitch. You know, our, our story about how we built the, 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 the actual CPM was we went to Moda Media, and I don't know if you remember either mm-hmm. GM O'Connell and those folks, Um, but they were, they were a big player early on in, uh, in the internet. And so we went in with a presentation that said, well, the, the value is not a billboard that you would go. So two cents CPM, and it wasn't a hundred dollars Ziff Davis book, uh, and we set on $40 CPM. And as we were going through this, uh, John Nardone, who's, who was the head of media there and, and, uh, and GM O'Connell said, you guys are really buttoned up. We thank you so much for the rationale and we agree and we think it's worth $20 CPM. Well, my next slide was, it said $40 CPM. And I remember going like this and turning, putting the computer down because we hadn't sold anything yet, right? We said, that's exactly what we think. It's, uh, that's how the price was set. Um our joke later was that every time we tapped, you know, the the, the desk it was ten thousand dollars, you know. So, um, you know, for you, I, I think it was great that that people didn't push back on the on the CPM that it was sort of just expected as to what they would pay.
1: Yes, I mean it's the the challenge was that, and probably today, well, it it has developed, but the challenge was that you have the brand, the branding guys with the agencies. The traditional agencies um, who have the brand metrics about net reach and then the direct marketing departments which didn't talk to each other it, it was a separate kind of, of business so um, and in, in, in the direct marketing there was email marketing probably this, this was something yeah. at a very early stage um, but a click on a banner, um, it was uh, of course there was cost per click because cost per click was with with um, was they were used to buy cost per click also with with search engines, um, but um, that there was really this this challenge to to get this the brand the branding and the direct marketing thing together um, with the CPM. I remember um, Robert K. Dar, who was. Um, with DoubleClick in the US and he was Mr. AltaVista. He was um, the, the main contact uh, person for AltaVista or was called AltaVista publisher with, with DoubleClick. He was handling the, the AltaVista uh, account and he was showing me how to get down the CPM, how to minimize the CPM in a, in a spreadsheet. Yeah, you can have like a banner with 60 euro and um, something else with 20 euro and then you have text ads for $1, like millions of text ads, which brings your CPM down to five euro.
0: <laughs> so if you
1: create a package of different, you know, different placements, um, you can bring the, the CPM down in, in this package. This.
0: <laughs> well, if, you, if your original publisher had his way, nobody would have paid for clicks, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to take a quick second to thank our sponsor, Duration Media an ad tech software company that creates revenue generation solutions for publishers. Duration Media finds mines, and monetizes only highly viewable ad impressions, which finally makes a product that's good for publishers and advertisers. For more information, visit their website at DurationMedia.net. So um, as you're moving now towards um, the, the crash, um, you start to move out in to other parts of Europe right that that you personally were selling not just in Germany so what what was that like um, in in moving into other markets
1: yes I was specializing because I was really um, you you um, you see that I'm was really in the brand advertising field I, I, I I'm I'm, I'm really a, True, uh, was a true believer. Or I'm a true believer that the, the internet is still a brand. Uh, you can do branding on the internet. So there was rich media and and sponsorships uh, where like big big ads. Uh, so later um, video ads. Do you remember a company called Unicast, the superstitial mm-hmm. sure. where you have the full screen video? It was preloading, so you were going through different like pages. For example, you, you you are going to a website and you do like five page impressions per visit. And during this five page impressions you are doing in the background, the video was loading. And when this video was loaded, it was shown on your full screen. It was a really intrusive and very high awareness uh, ad format. So, but also interstitials, full screen interstitials where the, the ad covers the full screen of your website. Um, Layer ads, um, really big ad formats. This was my special specialty, um, and uh, we 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 were making. And it was it was it was increasing. I have I remember uh, making um, charts um, for the U.S. about how the sponsorship revenue was sponsorship and rich media revenue was was increasing more and more. So I was. I was on developing those high impact ad formats for branding, and I was developing those for the for the salespeople in in the German office, um, and was going on to pitches to explain what kind of rich media um, possibilities are out there. Because then the agency said, "Oh, that's that's you know this rich media thing, the the the, the big ad formats. That's something I can um, show my my advertiser as a you know, the, the cream, the cream at the top of, of, of something, we call it in Germany, <laughs> you put something very special on, on, on top. And um, so I was, I was specializing in the, uh, the the rich media field and then was going to, with our salespeople to those pitches to explain. And th- th- there comes the technology in the game. So you have um, the media side about CPMs and metrics and things. And you have the technology. Um, how does it work to get a full screen interstitial on the website? And this was my special specialty um, to explain how this works to work with agencies. And then I moved to the UK and was also responsible for the Scandinavian countries um, to go with, um, with the salespeople to the agencies to explain the sponsorship and to also to teach and educate the sales uh, people uh, in the markets in, in Northern Europe. So that, that was my role.
0: That must've been a fascinating time. Uh, and, and, then, and then, you know, the crash comes. So yes. what, how did that affect your business in, in Europe and um, how, how, how did that affect the overall um, double click, you know, morale in the
1: company? Well, we were, of course, we were like a satellite. You know, we were like how many people? I think we were like 20, 20, 25 in Germany. So we had different offices. The first offices was in the first office was in Hamburg. Then we had a office in Düsseldorf, Frankfurt. But because Germany is quite decentralized, although it's a small uh, country, but still we have different offices. So we had maybe in the, in the German in the Hamburg office we were like just just 10 10, 12 uh, people there. So we, we saw revenue going down of course um, that we had the sales conferences or the sales meetings every week where we where we were communicating how much revenue we are doing in, at, in each office and and this this was going down. <clears throat> so that that's what what we are, what what we are seeing, I was more at that time. I was seeing the sponsorship and which media revenue going down as well, and um, but I was thinking to myself, what these are those th- th- that that's the money from the from the stock market from the from the receive funded companies that is going down now, and I had some first success with traditional uh, companies like. Um, Mercedes-Benz and, and, and they were doing some, some things here. And I was thinking for myself, well, even if this will go away, if, 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 if the money from the venture capital uh, goes away, these other companies will still be there. The, 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 the top brand advertisers, they will not go away and the medium will grow. So um, more users will go to the internet. We will have faster connection, video will come. Um, and for myself, I was more like, although it was a frightening situation because um, revenue were, were away, was away. It never went to zero, but it was really low. And um, it must've been, we had cut cuts, job cuts in the US and also in, in the German office, but probably we it was just 15 people and like five people, uh, have to leave the office uh, at one day. So it wasn't so, for me, it wasn't so drastic. Um, I, I, I didn't see the, the cuts um, so dramatically. Um, and I was in my own world uh, where I say, well, there is, there is hope in the future, even if it will go away. I'm, I still trust in that advertisers will still be there. The internet will still be there. Users will still be there and it will grow as more and more people will go to the internet and advertising is a key, a key thing of economy without advertising, no one will sell something. What's a, it's a very important thing for, for, for the economy. So I was, That was an
0: acute vision because when you look back, the companies that were successful or, or successfully got through the crash were the ones that, that knew, that the audience was still there, that people were still using the internet. So the smart brands like Mercedes that you, you just mentioned, um, probably because of your prodding right, to say, hey, they, the audience hasn't left. You can still you know, promote your brand successfully. Um, it was those venture you know, uh, oriented companies that were, had really didn't have a model. They were buying ads from each other basically. Right. Yeah,
1: it was, yeah, it was all in one in the community, it stayed in this community. And when the money drain was closed, there was no money anymore. So, of course, for DoubleClick, the, the stock price went down, I saw that, and um, <clears throat> um, and, and, and money, and, and, and of course, the costs that are involved in the, in the DoubleClick business, it was clear for me that they that that probably it can it will not cost it will not pay for the for the cost um, of the organization and you cannot downsize so quickly it was it was definitely hard to to downsize the company to a reasonable level um, so then they sold the the media business they closed the media business actually um, but for me as you see I I still believe at that time. I was still believing that that it will come again, probably slowly and and not in this fast um, uh, scale as it as as it happened before in the in the new economy bubble. So
0: let's move on just uh, really important for me to understand.
1: uh, Who are your mentors. Chris Theodorus Mm -hmm. definitely um, from the U S um, I've learned it with double click. I, I, really learned the most in my life, um, with, with, with this company being there, they, they really had a great program, uh, called orientation program where you went over. I went over for a week, um, to sit together with people there to listen what they were saying about the different, um, business, um, Areas they had the, the publishing side, the the sales side, financial side, um, tech 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 side, which was really important to understand how the technology works. Um, the targeting, uh, it was based on cookies, which is now cookies are probably going away. The third-party cookies, at least, mm-hmm. uh, will be um, will be um, exchanged by some some new uh, technology, but. Um, they they were teaching me about all these all these aspects of the of the industry and it was was really valuable for me and and definitely for everyone who was working at double kick at that time but um chris theodorus um um went with me on a lot of sales pitches and i learned a lot from him and he was kind of a mentor for me also barry barry saltzman i mean i i didn't have so many so many meetings with him, but he was speaking on sales conferences. We had this double-click sales conferences like every year. Um, so um, yeah, I was looking at what what these people are, are doing, um, but Chris showed me um, how is it possible? How does, does branding, how can you use targeting and the technology for convincing the traditional advertisers to use the medium? So.
0: So, so the media business goes away. You obviously still have lots of relationships, and both uh, on the brand side and the agency side. So, you decide to create a Quarter Media with your partner. Uh, was that a big decision? Is that something you sat down with your wife and said, "Hey, we, we're going to struggle here for a while. We're going to be entrepreneurs." Uh, tell us what that was like to start Quarter Media.
1: Well, I, I'm from a. My father uh, had a business in, in something different, uh, machinery building. So I'm I'm in a. I'm coming from an entrepreneurial family, um, and I always had the dream when I was like 10, 11 years old. I always have had the dream to have my own company. So this was really deep into myself. Um, I I, I want to start my own business at at some time and. My father also worked in companies. And at a later stage, he um, started his own business based on what he was doing before. So this was a perfect time Said I had some experience. I already have contacts to the clients and the market. And that's a perfect time to to start a company. Although everyone was saying, are you mad? (laughs) You know? advertising was going down like advertising was was the all, also the of course these big brands were also advertising in the traditional media in tele, in TV radio print you know advertising in, in, in general was going down and also online advertising was going down companies went out of business uh, it was really depressive um, in general and I had I had offerings to go to like to go even like google was uh, was approaching me um, and so i could take aol at that time so i had different offers to to go to um, to go to like those companies who who which were still there um, but i, yeah, I, 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 th- I, I saw i chance i to, to build my own business at that time. Uh, to get together with Oliver, who was um, also working with DoubleClick like three years together, we worked uh, we worked three years together in, in in DoubleClick, and this was also a good thing to have someone next to you, not not to be alone, uh, starting the business, but doing it um, together. And yeah, I was turning down some some offers um, from big companies um, to to build my own uh, company. And um, my wife, at that time, we had one, we had a, we had a daughter, um, which was two years and my son was born in 2002. So going to have two children at that time. And that's, that's really, you know, with two, two small children, everyone who had children at a very close together, like two, two years together, know what I'm talking about. And then um, starting a company Uh, was really challenging, but I I was so convinced. And the first first, um, month even we had, luckily we had some publishers um, who were on the DoubleClick network and didn't want to go to the company which DoubleClick was sold to. The DoubleClick media business was sold to a company called AdLink in Germany. And we had the offer to go over to AdLink but Link, first they had the office in a very small city. I I didn't want it to go there. It was like, no, no, no. They had a sales office in Hamburg, but in the contract, I, we said, you know, how's this, you know, this, this contract will look like? And there was no possibility to have Hamburg as our first, um, as our, um, the place where we can work. It was not, um, um, concrete enough. So um, yeah so we had some clients from the publisher side and we had the relationships relationship to the to the agencies and for example, eBay uh, was buying at that time um, because they were still there. They survived the, the crash and Google was starting to buy um, advertising display advertising as well. So we had advertisers. Who were buying and we had some publishers. So the business was running from the from the first days and we were yeah. profitable.
0: And, te- and technically they were to serve the ads, they were still using the double click technology, right? That was in place with those
1: publishers, right? We yeah actually that that that's a good thing because the double click we, we were calling double click and said we can we use the ad server and they they were doing such a high price the CPM because we couldn't commit to a for example, like 10,000 US dollars per month ad serving uh, or 5,000 US dollars per month for ad serving. We we didn't know how much, how how many ads we we were serving. Um, So they were making such a high price for the ad server so that we decided to use um, another ad server, a free, it was a, a how do you call it? Open PHP ads, open source ad mm. server. PHP ads, new um, PHP ads was an open source ad server. So we rented some um, server space and were uh, uploading the, the ad server. And we found out that with, with our virtual server, there's a limit of transactions, scripts <laughs> <laughs> you can do. And this limit was reached very, <laughs> very fast. And then no ad was delivered. Anymore, So it was stuck and th- at that time, all the ads, the, the, the tags were um, JavaScript, um, uh, s- uh, synchron uh, tags. So it, the sites were stopping to um, sites were crashing. Um, so then we need to open the, the script thing and things like that. So we are running some, uh, our own ad server system. Then another, after PHP ads, we were running a system called Edward Pro, which was also used by Kazale
0: mm-hmm. sure. uh,
1: in Canada. Um, but then, some some time ago, some time ahead, we were we were switching to to use Dart as well when we have built up our um, our volume.
0: Right. So you 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 hit the ground running. You had a, a, a five year great run, and then. You decide to sell the company. Was that uh, because someone came and knocked on your door, or did you and Oliver look at each other and go, "Yeah, it's time. We should. <laughs> we should just sell this."
1: Yes, it's. Um, yeah, we were we were on a fast growth uh, track, and we were all owned own finest. We have no VC um, in our back who wanted to exit, or think it was all our own money, and and and. Um, the money was generating from the, from the profits we made. So there was no, from, from this aspect, uh, there was no VC or no need to sell the company because of financial reasons. Um, the idea behind getting hooked on a, on a big publishing house, so actually it was the publishing house where I turned down the contract when I went to DoubleClick. <laughs> I turned out the, you know, you know, I turned out down the 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 contract to go to it, Holzbrink is the name of the of the publisher, and I turned down at that time. But then um, we were we came into discussions with them um, because we we are independent sales house, so it's all third party. We don't own media, so there were other sales houses in Germany who were around us in, in competition with us. Um, from traditional medias who have owned media, and also third-party media, and we were we were thinking, you know, pr- it probably it could be a good idea to to hook up with a a well-known uh, uh, brand of, of, of publishing house that is um, attractive for other publishers. Um, that other publishers we can we can. Um, be attractive, or can attract other publishers to come to our network because we we are part of this um, publishing house. And they were buying, they were buying companies, internet companies at that time. For example, a, a competitor of uh, Facebook called StudiVZet uh, in 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 Germany. They they bought this um, um, social media company, and they were buying lots of companies. And yeah, we got into discussions with them about this idea to build up a big sales house for their entities because they had all these um, investments already. Studio um, VZ was one of them and 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 others. And uh, we, we said, we can sell the ad space of all your ventures. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we, we can then grow with, with a third party uh, with additional third party publishers. So this was our idea that we are able to grow faster than on ourselves with this publishing house in the in the background. So it was not a question of of money we needed or or something like that. It was more like a strategic, purely strategic decision to go with them. And
0: so then four four years go by, right? You, you obviously had some success in building it, but then you had the opportunity, you and Oliver had the opportunity to buy the company back. And of course, you know, here you are 10 years later. Um, so how did that opportunity come about? Were they divesting or did you just say, I wanna take this, you and Oliver said, we wanna go back to being independent again?
1: Yeah, the reason was we had this, this the second uh, financial crisis at that time. So they were investing in us end of 2007. Um, and at that time already we were hearing about something with real estate in the U.S. Is there's a problem with with real estate things in the U.S. Um, evaluations of real estate and and things like that. That was already in the in the media. So, um, but they they were buying us at that time, and as they were a. Financial newspaper and magazine. That that was their core. Their core core business is financial newspaper and magazine business. Um, they were going th- uh, through a very hard time in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, through the financial crisis um, because many financial advertisers um, stopped buying, and also um, the top um, brands. In the auto industry um, like BMW, Mercedes, Jaguar, the high income. Uh, uh, um, products were also um, moving a- away uh, again from advertising. So they were, they, they, they had uh, uh, challenges um, with, with this um, financial crisis within their group and they made some changes uh, in their shareholder. Um, uh, th- that we were. On a different business unit where we couldn't get to the synergies we wanted to get so Mm -hmm. the because the all the ventures were in the other um at the other shareholder they they were split up somehow and there was no way for us to to build this what this this all big sales house with them uh, at that time so the strategic thing went away the idea and um of course business also for us business went down at that time because the we had a lot of um, business from auto um, publishers, from auto advertisers, which which also went away. So during that time, business was was uh, low for us as well. So they offered us, or they, they they wanted to sell the company to third parties, but they then at the moment at the end they, they offered it to to sell it back to us to the original founders.
0: So unfortunately, we're we're getting to the end of our time here. So I but I do want to cover a few more things. Um, So fast forward now, you you get the company back, you start to to build it on your own again. Um, And here we are 10 years later, you're the largest independent sales house, Um, uh, an incredible accomplishment. Uh, So let me ask you that really important question because it's a fascinating career that you have. What do you think your biggest accomplishment was or has been in your career so far?
1: I think to build up a, an organization where publishers can monetize their ad inventory at the highest possible price and to maximize their advertising revenues. Um, with a sales organization. So we have sales, we still have salespeople who are selling in search and order and also private auctions. Um, and we have a technology that is a holistic system where only the ad is being served that delivers the high price at the, the highest price at that at that time. And to be able to offer this solution to publishers. Um, because I think publishers, that that's it's, it's really important for the society to have um, independent publishers, um, a variety of publishers on 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 the on the on the, net, on the internet, um, where people can get different opinions, different informations, and not a monopoly of um, um, content that is only been delivered by like a number of. Uh, 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 big companies um, and we have a variety of of, of publishers which we can support with with our technology and with our uh, solution that's and we have built up this especially in the last six seven years Uh, the technology came uh, again and was very I mean you are in the in the field as well uh, Mm -hmm. with um, duration media um, where it's always the question how can you Maximize the re- revenue for, for, for publishers, and that's that's what we are doing.
0: Yeah, no, we certainly uh, agree. In you know, the, I um, just wrote a what I call a rant <laughs> that um, uh, Bruce Branford, who's our chief media officer, uh, toned down a little bit and uh, wrote in uh, uh, Digital Content Next. And it was really a call to action, I think, for the community is that the Triopoly, uh, Google, Facebook, and Amazon, uh, in in a recent article in the Wall Street Journal and other now own 90% of the ad demand. Um, I have nothing against companies becoming billion-dollar companies, trillion-dollar companies, Uh, been an entrepreneur all my life. Um, But I think... The point that you just made is really an incredibly valuable one, in that we all need to do what we can to protect uh, and, and and make sure that independent uh, view and journalism exists, um, yeah. and to find ways to. One of the major ways is to keep them healthy and operating, you know, with with revenues. So. I I'd love as we, we finish here is that if you can expand on that point and then uh, tell our audience what what you think the the future of social and digital media is.
1: Yes, um, social media, as as everyone know, is 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 also very young. So we we are talking about the, maybe the first generation now. So Facebook was founded 2005. I think, but it really break through 2010. So maybe it's a 10 year really um, um, track of records here um, with social media, social media getting through the roof. Um, So it's the first generation, the last 10 years. Now, this generation, maybe is, is getting own children. So they have made some experiences uh, with social media, uh, it's it's you have you know you have your identity open in the public, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: yourself. Uh, you cannot hide anymore. Everyone is 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 watching you. Um, I have two children, and I know that um, it's you have to learn that you have an kind of an open identity, um, a public identity, and um, this is the first generation that has to deal with this challenge. Um, and you cannot hide, you know, when we were young um, and we don't want to be in contact with someone, we just can, you know, just don't go to the phone or don't, don't go out of the house. And, and maybe you have to go to school and see those guys there, but, you know, if you turn around, then you don't see them. But with social media, you have this um, open, uh, open uh, identity. Um, that's a challenge and people need to get used to it. And I think the first generation now, they have adapted on, on how to deal with this, Um, with with this challenge. Um, And the second thing is the, what can you trust? What news source can you trust? If someone writes something, everyone now is is an editor. Everyone can write news, um, his opinion, her opinion. Um, So you're reading something and I think people will learn that you shouldn't trust all you are reading, and you have to find re- reliable news sources, reliable um, sources of information. And I think that's the that's the point where the media comes back, the, the traditional publishers are coming back and can fill this gap of a need of getting reliable information you can trust. Um, you know all this discussion about fake news and things like that. Um, I think that's the second learning. So the one thing with the open identity, you have to deal with your, your yourself on the on the internet, and the other thing is what information can you rely on. And I think that the the publishers, um, the people who are create content, um, will have a ch- have a chance uh, to develop further in in social media.
0: Well, thank you for that. Uh, unfortunately, our Time has ended. Uh, it seems like we've been talking for five minutes. Uh, I, I can't wait till we can do this in person, Tibor, and share more stories uh, with a with nice cold stein of beer in front of us. So um, I thank you for your time. I, I, I couldn't be happier to, to have had you as our first uh, European net OG. Uh, your accomplishments are uh, amazing, uh, your stories have been great. Uh, and you should be really proud of what you've accomplished and uh, you know thrilled to see what quarter media is doing for you know not only as the largest independent you know sales house uh, but uh, reinforcing how important uh, the the publisher's health is and uh, you know and I applaud that uh, and we'll do whatever we can to help uh, make that even more successful so
1: looking yeah. forward to it yes. thank you Thank you, definitely, Andy. for For it was really, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed this hour, even if, it, you know, it's uh, seems like five minutes, ten minutes, and we can speak for hours and hours. But it was really, it's a, it was really a pleasure, and, and it was uh, really um, a pleasure to to speak with you and and to do this. And it's an honor for me to be, on the Original gangsters. <laughs>
0: <List>. <laughs> Absolutely. We are we are Net OGs. Thank you. Yeah. Thank Appreciate you. It. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by Duration Media. For more information on the company and its revenue generation ad tech, please visit their website at DurationMedia.net. Like and follow this podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And if you like this episode, make sure to subscribe to the Net OGs on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your audio, so you'll never miss a single episode. Stay tuned for more interviews with Net OGs from companies such as DoubleClick, New York Times, Moda Media, 24-7 Media, Yahoo, NFL, Superbowl.com, and many, many more. To see the full list and learn more about the Net OGs, visit our website at thenetogs.com.